Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to have you in church this morning. And uh, yeah, it's nice just to be able to sit at the front and observe you all chatting, actually to hear your distinctive laughs and to think, yeah, I know that person. I know their laugh. And that is great. Lovely to see you chatting to one another and reaching out as well. Um, it's been a kind of interesting week, hasn't it, in our world? And um, you will know that someone said this, we can be anything we want to be, but be kind. Um, and that was Caroline Flack, uh, who used to host Love Island, and uh, who took her own life because of the unkindness of the world uh, around her. Uh, some of you, I know, enjoyed going to the cinema yesterday uh, to see It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood um, which is the story of Fred Rogers. Um, some of you will not know that he was a Presbyterian minister uh, on, with the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America. And he had a children's program, and he really explored emotions, um, and he was very kind, and he was very gentle, and he was able to open up people because of that. My own readings this week have been in 1 Corinthians 13, and I just want to read you a little bit of that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then when you go to 1 John and chapter 4, you hear God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world, we are like him. In Joshua chapter 7, we're going to look at judgment. We're going to look at the terrible effects of sin. But we must always remember that love, God is love. We love because he first loved us. What a great God we serve. So let's stand and sing uh, to him. Let's sing his praise in Psalm in, in 25, uh, IPH 25, Immortal, Invisible, and then Blessed Be Your Name. Well, let's uh, join together in prayer. Let's talk to the Lord. <coughs> Father, we are so grateful uh, for another day, and we are grateful, Father, that the sun is shining, and we are grateful that we can gather and that we can sing your praise, that you are immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. And Father, there is a transcendence about you. There is a greatness about you like the stars in the sky, uh, that their distances are incomprehensible to us, that the fact that it just keeps going and going and going is something that blows our minds. That, Father, that there is something wonderful in the beauty of a flower, and the perfection of the edges of the flower in the variety of those flowers and the variety of the colors. And there's something incomprehensible about the majesty and the glory of the God who created those flowers. And Father, as we see ourselves gathered from many nations of the world, young and old, male and female, very different, distinctive laughs, distinctive voices, distinctive personalities. Father, they bear testimony to the infinite goodness and graciousness 
and power and love of our God. And Father, I pray that we might see more clearly the joy and the wonder that we have of being together in your presence this morning. And Father, as we come, we recognize that you are a God who is removed from us. You are holy. And Father, we are not. You are great, and we are so often weak. We get old. We feel sick. We do not think well. And Father, we feel so vulnerable at times. And yet you love us with an everlasting love. You have drawn us with loving kindness because you are love. And love is patient. And love is kind. And love does not bear record of wrongs. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our sins from us. And that we come in the power of the blood of Jesus and the love of Jesus, and we are able to stand in your presence, redeemed, saved, and glorified. Father, we thank you for the glory of this gospel and for the truth of your word. And Lord, as we look at a difficult passage this morning, as we consider the sin of one man that affected a whole community, Father, we pray that we might be sober in our judgment of ourselves, and that, Father, that we might be compassionate and loving towards each other because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, Father, it's a privilege to be in a church where people are willing to help, and we thank you for everybody who will take part this morning. We pray that you will bless us as we meet together. And, Father, we thank you for this great opportunity just to hear from you and to worship you. So we join our voices together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7, and Lorraine's going to come and read that to us now. You'll find our reading starting on page 221, and we'll just start reading from the last verse of chapter 6 for context. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon in the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against A. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of A, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear, and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. 
They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites, Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua made Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. He made the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua made his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor, meaning trouble ever since. Okay, if the boys and girls want to come up to the front, uh, we're going to have a chat up here. Thank you guys very much. So um, I hope you were listening carefully to the story that Lorraine would just uh, told us. What I want us to talk about this morning is something very, very serious. We're going to talk about crime and punishment. Sounds very serious, right? Yeah, I know. So what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to take the place of a judge today. So I have here with me some different crimes and I want you guys to decide what the punishment should be. Okay? Sound good? You look a little bit nervous, you're not sure about it, but we'll try, okay. Um, who here has ever traveled on the Lewis? Yeah, you know? And so imagine that you're going to travel on the Lewis and instead of paying for your ticket, you decide, you know what, I'm not going to pay. I'm just going to go on and use the Lewis for free. What punishment would you give someone who didn't pay their ticket? Um, they'd have to pay double the price of the ticket. They'd have to pay double the price of the ticket. Okay, very good. 
Any, anything else? Anyone want to be more strict or serious? <laughs> what do you think, Matthias? 50 euro fine. 50 euro fine. Yeah, okay. Oh, we have a lot of agreement in the crowd. Very good. So, uh, from looking at the Lewis website, um, if you don't pay your fine within one month, um, then you, no, if you don't pay your fine within two weeks, you have to pay 45 euros. If you don't pay your fine within one month, you have to pay 100 euros. And after that, if you still don't pay your fine, you might have to go to court. And there, if you're found guilty, you would have to pay 1,000 euros. Very serious, right? I know. Okay, but that's, you know, that's, it's, a, it's a very light crime, you know, not too serious. We're going to get a little bit more serious now. So what about theft? Do you know what this word means? So this is the crime of, of stealing, right? Of taking something that is not yours. And there's actually, there's a lot of different punishments you can give for this depending on what the value is of what you steal. But what do you think? What punishment would you give? Ooh, more people are answering. Okay, shout out, go ahead. What do, what do you think? Two years of jail, okay. Anything else? <laughs> so it would be like the same conditions whatever a burglar had. Mm -hmm. So it would be like a couple of years in prison. A couple of years in prison, and okay. And when you let it go, I guess they do it again. And then they go back like cycles. Yeah, exactly. Is that, yeah, exactly. Or you get them to bring back what they stole and then repay any emotional um, distress that they caused the person they stole it from. Okay, so you would have them pay, pay money, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so we have fines. We have two years in jail, a couple of years in jail. So according to Google, the maximum penalty for theft in Ireland is five years in jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the definition of a couple. It's about five years. Um, another crime we have. This is a kind of a very difficult word which is perjury. Does anyone know what that means? No. So this is basically the crime of lying in a court of law. So if you go to be a witness in a court of law, you have to take an oath and you have to promise that what you are saying is true. And if you're found guilty of lying in a court of law, then there's also a punishment for that. What do you think the punishment for that should be? 10 years, whoa, you guys have gotten very serious, okay. <laughs> so it's almost 10 years, so the maximum punishment for perjury in Ireland, seven years. So you can see we're getting a little bit more, we're getting a little bit more serious. Well, they have to stay in jail for seven years, yeah, exactly. Okay, so now we're going to go even more serious, okay. So another crime that I want you guys to give the punishment for is murder. So what do you think? What do you think should be? Uh, 10 years. 10 years, okay. Any advance in 10 years? Nine years, okay. Anyone else? Ooh, wow, should be killed also, okay. Okay, yeah, so solitary confinement, I think, as well as prison time. So some of you are a little bit lenient. Some of you are even more strict than the Irish judicial system. So the maximum sentence um, for murder in Ireland is a life sentence, which amounts to about 18 years in prison. If they are, if they do it again, then potentially they would have to go back for another 18 years. Yeah. And so the reason I wanted to to talk about these different crimes and these different punishments is because I think we can agree that 
if someone does something wrong, then there should be a punishment, right? Because it's something that they do that hurts other people. And because of that, there needs to be a punishment to stop people from doing that. Now, in the story that we've just read, there is a man called Aiken. And if you were listening carefully, you will have heard of what he did wrong. So there's even a couple of things in here that, that he said that he did wrong. So we heard that he lied because he hid the devoted things. He also stole, so he took something that was not his. And yet, the punishment that he receives is not for those crimes. Because ultimately, what the main crime that he did was that he sinned against God. And so he decided that he wasn't going to trust God and he wasn't going to obey what God had said. And because of that, he faced a punishment. And does anyone, did anyone hear what the punishment was for him? Death. Exactly. So the punishment for sin that we have is death. And that might seem very, very serious. And it is because God takes sin, not trusting in him and not obeying him very, very seriously. And this is also a personal question for us because like Achan, we are also guilty of sin. And in fact, every single person who has ever lived apart from one, is guilty of sin. And that might seem like very, very bad news because that means that we are all facing death. But if you were listening to Sam at the start of the service, he said that God is just, but also that God is love. And in God's amazing love, what he did was he sent his son, Jesus, who was the only person who lived a life completely without sin and had no cause to receive the punishments that we just talked about. And he died on the cross in our place, taking our punishment. And so that gives us a choice, doesn't it? Because we can either choose to be like Achan, and we can decide that we don't want to trust in God, we don't want to obey him, we want to do what we want to do. But if we do that, then we have to deal with the consequences, which, as we've already said, are sin. But there's also another option. We can also choose to trust and obey in God. We can decide that we want to trust in Jesus and we want to follow him. And instead of doing what we want to do, we want to follow what Jesus wants us to do. And like in all of these different crimes and in sin, we had a consequence which was death. There's also a consequence for following Jesus. And as it happens, it's the complete opposite of death. So instead, we will get eternal life. And so that's what I want to leave you guys with today, that we have these two different roads to follow, these two different options. And we have to think about what are the consequences of following each of those. Amen? Very good. So now we're going to, we're going to sing. And I believe Richard is even going to come to the front and help us to do some actions. Well done, everybody. That's good. Um, yeah, well, boys and girls, you're free to go. And uh, God bless you there. Folks, lovely to have you in church. Um, if you're visiting with us, it's uh, lovely to have you. And uh, do make yourself known to us. Uh, sign the visitor's book, stay for tea and coffee, chat to us afterwards. Uh, we do pray that God will bless you being with us.
Uh, you've, we're going to go through these announcements, so uh, you'll see on your order of service there, uh, that we're again, again continuing in Joshua, looking at Joshua chapter 8. Uh, next time, if you can read that, that'd be good. Uh, if you have come with something that you would like to be prayed for, well then prayer ministry takes place here at the front, beside the organ. Uh, I put in here the moderator's call to prayer. Um, he has called the church to prayer uh, during the week of March the 1st to the 8th, um, and, and, and that is in line with something that I believe that God has been speaking to me about personally uh, and also corporately, the need for us to be a church that prays. Um, and, I, and we do pray. We do pray in our little groups. We, uh, the music group play, the K2 teachers pray, and the Sunday special teachers. We pray before the service. Um, but I just sense that we personally need to be more committed to prayer and that perhaps corporately we need to be committed to prayer as well. So we'll look uh, with the elders at what we might do during that week, uh, but I wanted to get it out there and get us thinking about it. His theme for the year is enjoying God, and he's really asking for a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our church and land. And there are lots of um, details on the PCI website if you log on, you'll be able to find out all the different things that we can do. So maybe individually, uh, in little groups, uh, all the different groups, the home groups and Caterpillar Kids and Cafe, let's make this a very special week of prayer, really asking for God to pour out his blessing, not just on this church, but on the whole land of Ireland. Do pray for our Kirk session, that's the elders who meet this Thursday. It's not a scheduled meeting, but we're just meeting uh, for fellowship and testimony and prayer, and we will be looking at our home groups um, about leadership and how we might develop those. So really a discussion time, and we would value your prayers. International Cafe continues uh, this Friday. It's been going very well. We're pretty full, um, and it's uh, lovely to see people come in from all over the world. So let's continue to pray for that as well. And the Living Well group uh, meets uh, on uh, Saturday the 7th. Is that next Saturday? No, it's the Saturday following that. Okay. So two weeks' time, um, and it's going to be held in uh, Alan and Heather's house in Bray, as usual, um, and uh, it's for all who are near the age of retirement. So you've got some contact details for there for Heather. If you've never been before, if you just want to confirm things, do talk to her and Alan today. And something not on, on your order service there is that we have had another request for accommodation. Um, this is uh, the daughter of an Anglican minister who used to work in Dublin and is now up in Belfast, um, and his daughter's coming back to work or to do some course. Karen has the details, and I think she needs accommodation for 10 weeks or something, something to do with a course. Uh, it'd be lovely if someone can offer to do that. Uh, so um, a Christian girl student is looking for accommodation. And if you can help there, that would be much appreciated. Do talk to Karen. Okay, well, we're going to uh, just prepare our hearts as we come to hear God's word. So we're going to sing this lovely song, Faithful One, as we think about the Lord together. Great, well, we're going to look at this... Uh, uh, topic in, of sin and its seriousness in chapter 7 of Joshua. If you have your Bibles there, do open it, uh, and uh, we'll look at that together. Um, so, um, anybody guess what this is? It's very, very dangerous. It's a coronavirus, apparently it is. Yes, I take Google's uh, word for it. Uh, that it is a coronavirus, and it's very dangerous. It's a very serious virus. It infects others. It causes illness and even death. And even for those who are not infected, there are consequences of its presence, uh, isolation, and being unable to work. It's very disruptive to life. And the continuation of the story of God's people and their journey through Joshua under Joshua, is about to be severely derailed because of the actions of one person. Um, probably we should call him Achan, or, but we're going to, I've always brought up calling him Achan, so I'll just say that, um, who decided that he would disobey God and defy the relationship that he had with God and steal things that were devoted to destruction. And we see that in verse 1. 
And what he did was deadly for himself and for others, and it had terrible consequences for the rest of the nation of Israel. Sin is like the deadly coronavirus. And I suppose what really struck me, and I I want to start with this before I get into the idea of this text as well, folks, because I think we have a journey to make here. And I realize that this is not easy for us. Because if you look at verse 1, it doesn't say that Achan sinned. It says that the Israelites acted unfaithfully. I wanted it to say Achan acted unfaithfully, that he committed the sin. Surely he is responsible. And the answer, of course, is yes, he is. And sadly, he and his family will be punished. But God places responsibility on all the Israelites. And of course, we're tempted to say that's not fair. And one of the consequences of a culture that defies God, and that's what I'm talking about our own culture, is that over time, it moves to a place that is far away where God intended it to be. And the way that we see that is in our individualism. It has been so ingrained in us that we struggle with these kind of texts. And we deny much responsibility for others, for family, for nation, for church, and for the world. We only care about ourselves. But God's view of society and how it should be organized is about community, about how we are responsible for each other. And the building blocks of society are family, community, church, and nation. And so in his eyes, we are responsible for each other. And what that does, of course, is that it moves us in a direction of service to others and gives restraint to our own actions because we see this community responsibility. And the second thing that I want to do before we look into the text is actually say to us, folks, this story is framed by the anger of God. Look at verse 1. So God's anger burned against Israel. It's a terrible word, isn't it? And then if you go to the very last verse, verse 26, it says, the Lord turned from his fierce anger. We note as well the terrible outcome of Achan and his family. We spoke of this last time, and we must reckon with the justice of God and his love. And the purpose is to remind us afresh that God is holy. He sets his people apart from destruction at the cost of his only son. That's what Ethan was saying, and he said it very well. You see, sin is serious, and sin is personal for God. Because he is loving of us, he is also angered by our sin. And his justice means that he must deal with it. And so, folks, we must recognize that God gets angry when we sin. And I want to personalize that because I want you to know that one of the huge restraints on me that stops me sinning are these two points. If I were to sin deliberately against God, it would affect you. It would mean that my ministry was probably over. It would mean that my employment was gone. But it would bring disgrace to this church. It would make the church ineffective for a period until that sin was dealt with. And that is the context of which we're looking at this situation. And if it is true for me, it's true for you. And that's the reality why there are many, many lessons in this important chapter. It is an amazing chapter that teaches us very strongly about the community responsibility and the seriousness of sin. Sin is personal and sin is serious. And we need to think about it. So let's pray and ask God for help. Father, we pray that as we look at this passage together, that you will open it to us 
And that, Father, that we will see the seriousness of what Achan did and the responsibility of the community. And that, Father, yet that we will not be overwhelmed because, as we've already heard, you are love and you wish to deal with this and you have in Christ. So give us a sense of your presence. Give us the reality of your presence today and help us to understand. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are many ways that I could have really looked at this passage. I was aware of that, and I'm not going to try and preach it in that sense. I just want to look at a few things that came out of it. So the first thing is, what is sin? And the point is that it's personal. Um, I've already talked about that in verse 1, God's anger. He's, it's personal. Look at verse 11. Uh, you need to kind of work with me on this. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. But I want you to see they have violated the covenant. This was a personal promise relationship. It's like a marriage relationship. And they have acted unfaithfully, broke faith, literally it means, verse 1. And if you look in verse 20 and 21, just to get another sense of this, Achan replies, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord. The God of Israel, what has he done? He has sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. He, it's not, he didn't say primarily that it was about the things that he had taken. It's about the relationship that he's broken. And such a heart attitude, folks, is not neutral. If we do that, then we turn to the love of other things, created things. We make other gods, idols, instead of God. The nature of the word is actually quite a deep, that unbreaking faith in verse 1. It means betrayal, undercover. He hid the items in his tent in a hole in the ground. It means trespass. Literally, he broke the commandments. If you remember your Ten Commandments, he broke the Tenth Commandment. He coveted, and he broke the Eighth Commandment that he stole. You see, God has loved Achan. But Achan has chosen to deliberately disobey the express commands of God regarding the devoted things. The things literally devoted to destruction, 16, 18, if you want to look at it. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. God had warned them. God had spoken to him. Achan had heard it, and yet he disobeyed God. He turned to God and he said, I'm not doing what you want. I want you to see the personal nature of it. The things that he took were beautiful and valuable. Verse 20, the Babylonian cloak. George and I were talking about this. George was saying, I'd love to have seen that Babylonian cloak. It must have been absolutely fantastic. And no doubt it was. It was a work of art. It was probably extremely valuable. It was probably beautiful and colorful. Would have looked good on his wife or on himself. Silver and gold, we know the value of those. And he saw these beautiful things. He coveted them in his heart. He chose to take them contrary to the word of God, breaking the relationship. And I want you to think about this, folks, in terms of um, emotions. Because this is what Karen and Katie and myself were at last week. And thank you to David for leading and taking the service as well. Feeling well, glorifying God with our emotions. There's much to think about in this, folks, and I'm really trying to process this. But I want you to hear these words because we tend to think of God as kind of some kind of impersonal force. But in Isaiah we read, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God. Rejoice over you. Again in Psalm 78, we hear again and again they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. And in this passage, of course, we've seen that God burns with anger, that he has fierce anger. And we're meant to know and experience the intensity of that pure emotion. Of course, when we come into the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the perfect revelation of God as God, shows similar emotion over those who reject him and fail to come to repentance. Mark 3, 5, 
he looked around at them. I want you to picture this. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. That's Jesus. Again, picture him at Lazarus' grave. Jesus wept, gut-wrenching snort of pain is literally what that word means. And as we think of, of the city of Dublin, how did he look over the city of Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You see, God reacts with deep and pure emotion because he is because we are deeply personal to him and folks that's the challenge of the babylonian cloak that was coveted because the reality is what is it that we choose over god i've got three things here i just quickly want to go through culture attitudes i don't know if i have a slide for that i do culture attitude and idols I actually live quite close to Victoria White, who wrote this excellent article in the Irish Examiner about Love Island. Um, and I have been gutted by this, folks, in my own heart. Just the tragedy of young people who hear voices that say that it's okay to take your own life. And she wrote of Love Island, it's cruel, exposing the nakedly vulnerable to mass ridicule. Folks, it's the opposite of what love is. It's the opposite of what God defines as love that we read this morning. And yet many choose it. And our hearts should break. My heart is breaking over parents who have taken vows that I have asked them at the front of this church, over baptism and in communion, and they walk away from us. And they don't bother coming. And it hurts me. And it should hurt us. And we should long for them. And we should be praying for them. Not to criticize them as I would have always done in the past. And I need repentance for that. But we need to love them. We need to long for them to come back. We need to long for them to go to another church if this doesn't suit them. But we must not let them drift because they're choosing to disobey God. And idols, who of us in pain of life has not trusted in idols? We all do. When we're lonely, we seek solace in entertainment or sport or pornography or something. And when we're hurt, we turn to the bottle or the pills or some other way instead of Jesus. And it ends, doesn't it, in dismay and destruction and death. And it hurts God. And we need to know it because sin is personal. Secondly, what does sin do? Well, sin is serious because it affects the fall. It gives the fall and death. So the effect, of course, if we take a break and relax a little bit of the COVID-19 coronavirus has been widespread. I did some work on this. Zhang Jin and Liu Yingzi were affected by the coronavirus, not because they got infected, but because they, as the Communist Party chief and director of the Health Commission in Hubei province, they were sacked. And Dr. Li Wen Liang died and was personally vilified when he tried to speak out of the seriousness of the reality of the virus. Of course, travel plans were disrupted. Families were separated. Economies ground to a halt. Holidays were ruined. I've just heard that the Italian soccer teams are not able to play today because of the coronavirus in Italy. And of course, sadly, sadly, Many people have died. 
And remember that we are always inclined by cultural condition to view everything as individuals. But what is striking is the corporate effect of Achan's sin on the community. 36 men died. You find this all, by the way, in that sort of section uh, from sort of 3 to 9, if you want to see that. Fear spread. The leaders were distraught. Their enemies were emboldened. God's name was tarnished. And it's all summarized, and I'm glad that Lorraine had that in her thing, that echor means trouble. Sin brought trouble to all the Israelites. And sadly, Achan's sin brought death to himself and his family. And I wonder, did you notice in verse 26, worth looking at, this large pile of rocks I'm hoping for those that have been at the previous ones that you'll be thinking, large pile of rocks. We've had a large pile of rocks before, haven't we? When they crossed the Jordan and they put the rocks in the middle and then they put them at the camp at Gilgal. And what did those ones reckon with? Well, they, they told us that God is powerful. They told us that God is a God of salvation. And we need to hold them together, don't we? These pile of rocks were still here to that day. That was the point. They were to be seen. They were to be remembered. And what did we say then? We said that God is a God of justice and God is a God of love and that love wins. We must not forget both, folks, because the consequences of sin are serious. Very simply, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And none of us who belong to the family of God can sin without affecting others. There will always be consequences, and these are serious. You see that in verse 12. The serious effect of your sin and my sin on this community is that God will leave us. That's what it says. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. So we cannot, folks, sin with impunity. We cannot hide our sin. We cannot just say that it only affects me and nobody else knows about it. If you belong to this church then you have a corporate and collective responsibility. What happened to them was exactly what happened to the nations around them. The Spirit left them. And when the Spirit left them, they became fearful because there was no Spirit in them, literally. And as the psalmist tells us, if I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Let me just make that point with a story. I had coffee this week with someone, and I asked them about a young man whom I'd come to meet recently at a conference, and who was at Bible study, Bible college, and had intentions of being a pastor, and I warmed to him when I met him that first time. And when I asked him about him, his reply was devastating. He said he's had to step back from leadership. His girlfriend is pregnant, and she is also in leadership in another church. And folks, there's an undoubted sadness in that, isn't there? And there is compassion, I believe, within the church, and we want to see the restoration of this young man. And there needs to be repentance, and there needs to be restoration. However, the consequences for this young man and woman are far-reaching. And there's incredible sadness because it has affected them both significantly. He may not be able to continue in his Bible college course. The two churches have had to step them back from leadership. The parachurch organization with which he was helping has also had to stand him back as well. Because sin, even though it may be pleasurable for a period, always leads to destruction and to separation, and to death. And we must take it seriously. What must we do then whenever we find that we sin? 
And this is a difficult one for us. And that's what 14 to 21 is all about. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, when you read the story, and Lorraine read it brilliantly, you get that sense of anticipation, this process of calling forward the tribes, the clans, and the families of Israel. But it's not just a storytelling technique, a device to heighten tension. It again is meant to highlight to us the corporate nature of sin and the responsibility each of us must play in disclosing it. God has always known who had sinned. He could have simply told Joshua, it's Achan. He could have kept it quiet. He could have removed him and punished him separately, but he chose not to do so because all are implicated and all must be involved in its disclosure. It appears that no one knew, apart from his family perhaps, that Achan had stolen the devoted things. Achan resists making it known until he is called out, which is sad. And he does confess eventually. Witnesses confirm the truth, and the discipline is given. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it makes sense of verse 10, isn't it? I'm sure that you, um, I mean, where is Joshua? He's on his face praying. You think that's a great thing, isn't it? But the Lord doesn't seem to think so. He says, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Because it's a time for action, not for self-righteous prayer. It's a time to confess sin and remove it, or as we've said here, disclose it. Going back to COVID-19, I believe that China has made gigantic efforts at containment. We, we commend them 110% for everything that they did and are doing. But their biggest mistake was silencing the doctor, Wen Liang, who tried to tell us that this was a serious thing. And it was that failure to listen to him, to not admit the reality that has led to thousands dying and to huge disruption in the Chinese economy. Disclosure saves lives. It stops its spread. And similarly, though we find this a difficult subject, if we know of sin in our church, then we must disclose it. And it needs to be dealt with prayerfully, compassionately, and with discipline by the elders and the church community for the good of everything. Our process is for restoration. And that is something we need to begin to think through because that is not the way that we deal. It's not the way in Ireland. It's not the way in Adelaide Road. And we need to think about it in light of Scripture. And lastly, well, it's not working there. Yeah. What is our hope in sin? We see this in verses 18 and 19. And with this, I finish. Folks, is there any hope? I think, yes, there is. And we actually see that within this story in the way that God acts. If you look in verse 10, you see that firstly he takes charge. Stand up, what are you doing down on your face? He wants something to happen. Verse 12, as I said, says, I will not be with you anymore. And I stopped there, but if you read on it, says, unless, that's our hope unless the, the devoted things are dealt with, the sin in your midst, unless you destroy what, uh, whatever among you is devoted to destruction. And what struck me most in this, if you look in verse 18, and I'd maybe never seen this before, is that Joshua is the one that's chosen. Joshua and his family came forward. The lot fell in fact, that's what, how it happened, actually. The ESV makes that clear. The lot fell on Joshua. And if you remember what we've been saying, Joshua is the name for Jesus, and you begin to see where we're going with this because Jesus is the one who took the sin upon himself. If you look at verse 25, I just, Joshua's heartbroken. 
why have you brought this trouble on us? And the Lord will bring trouble on you. And then in verse 26, the Lord turned from his anger. Folks, as I read this story, I believe that Joshua was heartbroken as he listened to a family member, remember that, a family member, confess his sin. At that moment, he might have contemplated, could he offer himself for Achan and his family as an atonement for God? But sadly, as a fellow sinner, he could not. And justice would not have been done. However, we know that God, through his family line, sent the line of Judah, as we see here, sent his own son to bring justice through love. 1 Peter chapter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Folks, God takes sin personally and seriously, and therefore we have hope. The challenge for us is to be a community a family of such hope. A community and a family where we talk of our sins because we know the healing balm of the gospel. And folks, I know that as I have preached this, I know we will struggle with this journey. I know that it's countercultural both to us as a church and to the culture of Ireland. And that we have a long way from the honesty and reality that we should have with each other. But it's a vision. It's a way for us to go. To know that we are sinners and we do not deny it. But that we are loved and that we are forgiven. And that is the call of God for us. To take this sin or sin serious, seriously and personally. And when we do, then we know that there is hope for us as a community. I tend to read these verses that I will leave you with from Colossians chapter 3 personally, and I have worked hard in my own life to put them into truth. But actually, I think they're, they're delivered to a church. They're not delivered to me as an individual. They're delivered to you as a community. Colossians 3 and 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That is the vision for the church. That is a vision that takes sin seriously, that deals with it personally and corporately. And it's a vision that leads to life. And I think that is the desire of God for this church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we corporately bow our heads because we are corporately sinful human beings who need the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we have found it in him and that therefore that we are free from the penalty of our sins. Father, we like Achan deserve to die because we broke the covenant. We uh, turned our back on God. We were so sure of ourselves. And Father, yet we have this hope in Christ. And Father, it's a beautiful thing. It's a hope that the world does not have, and so the world is led to death. It's a hope that we have that leads to eternal life and all the blessings. And Father, so I pray that you will help us to be honest with one another about our struggles, 
that we will be honest about our sins, that we will be honest about the need that we have for you, and that, Father, that we will be a community that cares, a community that has compassion, a community that walks alongside those who struggle, a community that's concerned for those who walk away, a a community that's concerned for those who do not know you as yet, a community that has the source of life and joy and peace, a community that is kind. And Father, I pray that you will move in our hearts. And Father, we pray that we will all take a step today as we commune with you and with each other. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, let's uh, worship God as we give our offering and we sing, Who is there like you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are the creator of the universe. You are almighty, you are holy, you are faithful. All the glory and power is yours. And even with all your glory, you decided to turn to us. We that are sinners and do not deserve your love. That's your grace, Lord, your amazing grace, that you sent your Son to save us from eternal condemnation. You are everything we need and the only thing we need indeed. We are part of your family and we don't need anything else. Your grace is sufficient for us. However, we'd like to take this opportunity to ask for more of your grace and more of your mercy as we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We ask that you have mercy of the world and the coronavirus spread. We ask you in your unending love that you heal people that are ill and stop the spread of the virus. We pray for the countries in which people are starving or suffering violence or in any need that you provide for their needs and protect them. Please, Lord, have mercy for them. We pray for the countries that are in war or conflicts, that you bring peace. We especially pray, Lord, for the countries which oppose your good news, that you show your glory to them and you make your word to be spread so that many can be converted. We pray for missionaries that are currently suffering persecution, that you increase their faith relieve their pain, and make them strong to keep uh, your work. We also pray for Ireland, this country which is our home, that you show your mercy for us. We acknowledge that as a country, as a people, we are far from you, God, and we ask for your forgiveness. Please, O Lord, convert this country so that you will be the God of this people and we will be your family. We pray that you make people forget about any previous or current bad experience about religion and look at you and that they discover the love in God you are and your outstretched arm of mercy. We pray that you increase the number of the saved here in Ireland, Lord, for your own glory. And as we pray for that, we want to offer ourselves, your church here at Adelaide Road Presbyterian Church, as tools in your hands for that job. We pray that you fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit and that overflows to people near us. We pray that you make us so delighted with your glory that we want to share it with others. We pray that you transform our lives so that we seek you more and more every day and we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you so much that it will be impossible to hide from our friends, colleagues, or anyone that's near us. For that to happen, Lord, we pray that you bless us. Pour your grace over us and our families. Increase our faith and forgive us when we are not reflecting your image, when we are not behaving as your sons and daughters. We also pray for those in the church who are sick or going through hard times, 
that you look after them and be merciful with them. We pray that you make this church more and more united so that the world will know that you have loved us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, folks, we're going to sing an old hymn to finish that we haven't sung for a long time, but um, I think in light of what we've been saying, the, truths of the, the truth of this uh, song is great. So let's not uh, desire to yield to temptation, for yielding is sin, and each victory will help you some other to win. So let's sing this with gusto. Bless one another with these words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.